<laughs> All right, so um, guys, I was ready just to keep worshiping and, and not preach today. <laughs> um, I love worshiping with you guys, um, but I mean that. I love worshiping with you. I love worshiping with you. I love, especially, I don't know what has gotten into you guys, but as of late, you guys really come ready to worship. You guys really come ready to worship. And I can say this for the whole worship team. You guys don't know what that does for us. You guys don't know what that does for us and the encouragement that gives to us. It, it, it makes it worth it. You know, we put in a lot, of, a lot of hours and a lot of time, and when you guys come in hungry for the presence of the Lord and have the same heart as we do, it motivates us and pushes us to want to go deeper into his presence. I just want to thank you guys for the encouragement that you give the worship team. So I am going to stand here and give you a round of applause. Yes. No, guys, seriously, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, thank you, Pastor Carlos, for the introduction. Um, and thank you, Pastor Rob, you know, for, you know, allowing, you know, other people, you know, to, to be on this pulpit. Uh, it's, it's an honor, Pastor Rob, uh, but I want to honor you for a moment, Pastor Rob, whether you listen to this or not. We're your, we're your sheep, and we trust you as our shepherd, and we're very thankful, Pastor Rob, for what you do uh, every week in this house, for the message that you bring every single week Thank you for the time that you put into us. Thank you for the time that you put into building the kingdom. And we want to follow your leadership, and we want to build the kingdom too. We have your back, Pastor Rob. We're with you. <clears throat> so as you guys know, you know, Pastor Rob, he gets up here pretty much every single Sunday. And as I've mentioned before, he cooks an absolute masterpiece. But he also, you know, he paints a masterpiece. I don't know if you guys ever remember him with his hat, you know, painting a masterpiece. Um, but this is, this is going to be kind of like you guys go to one of those painting, uh, like where you learn to paint. And I'm, I'm going to be doing my painting, and, but I'm watching Pastor Rob, who's effortlessly painting while talking, while giving pointers, and creates a masterpiece. And my sermon is going to be like the person who tries copying it and makes their Christmas trees look like spaceships. Because <laughs> that happened in real life. Uh, me and Amy, we did one of those painting things. And, and I have to have an explanation for my painting to everybody that sees it. So that's going to be kind of like my, my word this morning. But I want to pray. Because I know that the power of what's going to happen today isn't from my word. It's from the word of the Lord. Because the word of the Lord has all the power. It is eternal life and it is good to eat. And today we are going to partake of it. So if you can bow your head, I'm going to go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the time of worship where we got to give to you, Lord Jesus. We pray right now, Lord God, as we receive from your word, Lord Jesus, that our minds would be opened, even my mind right now, Lord God. Even though I've put a lot of time into preparing this, Lord, I pray, Lord, as I read your scripture, Lord, that even more would be unveiled, Lord Jesus, because we know that there are nuggets in your word that are life-changing. And no matter how many times we read them, we know that things can come to our minds that can literally change the course and the path of our life forever. We thank you, Lord, that you are the word. We thank you for your word. And we thank you, Lord, that your word is going to be powerful today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So church, we're going to jump right into some scripture. And... 
I'm, I have almost lost my voice. I think I uh, screamed a little too much during praise and worship. So bear with me. Church, we're going to start in Luke chapter 1, 5 through 65. And I'm gonna ch- there, is, there is a bit of scripture here, so I'm, I'm going to try to go quick. But it's important that I read this um, because it's going to be the parallel of two different people that were given a similar opportunity, and I want to contrast how they reacted to these opportunities. And I really honestly believe that if you guys pay attention to my words, which are the words of the Lord, because I'm reading from the scripture, if you guys honestly pay attention to these words, that it will be life-changing for you, not later, but now. I believe this with all my heart. So we're going to get right into it. When Herod, the king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. Now some, some translations might call him Zacharias. He was a member of the priestly order Abijah. And his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in, the, in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive. And they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. Stop. So I just want to give you guys a little bit of backstory on Zechariah. So Zechariah was one of possibly 20,000 priests in that day who were eligible to go in and burn incense on the altar. Burning incense on the altar uh, was considered one of the loftiest, most sought-after actions that a priest could do. And uh, upon doing research, it turns out because there's so many priests Uh, It is very, very unlikely that a priest will ever have a second opportunity in his lifetime to do this, okay? Now, you don't get this from just reading the scripture, but with a little bit of digging, you realize that Zechariah is in the middle of a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and that's important to know, okay? He's in the middle of a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, while Zechariah, verse 11, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. <clears throat> Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. Stop. So, probably a little cherub on a cloud, right? <clears throat> no. This was the angel Gabriel. Angel Gabriel was, um, is a massive archangel. Essentially, this would be like you going out to get the mail and an F-16 fighter pilot comes by and drops off the mail. I mean, this, he, this is terrifying. This is, this is a big deal. And if you look uh, in verse 13, but the, but the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son and you are to name him John. Okay, now 
when a priest is giving incense and burning incense on the incense altar, the, the whole concept of the altar was to represent the prayers of Israel going up to God. That's why there's a crowd of people outside of this room praying, and they're actually waiting to see the incense rise. They know when they see the incense rise, they are able to then put out their prayer, which will go up into heaven. So there is a crowd of people outside waiting for this incense to come up. Uh, in verse 15, uh, in, in, let's back up, uh, verse 14, you will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at this birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with spirit and power of Elijah, he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn their hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. I just want to stop for a moment and just say that not only is Zechariah being told that his prayers, which he right now is praying, he's burning the incense, the, the priest is then able to offer their own prayers as they're as they're burning this incense, they can offer their own personal prayers along with the prayers of Israel around them to God. The angel saying, I, we, God hears your prayer. He hears your prayer. And not only is God gonna answer your prayer, but look at the promise that God is giving above and beyond what you've ever asked for. Not even Zechariah really understood what preparing the way really meant or really who he would be preparing the way for. But you guys know John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus to perform the ultimate sacrifice for our salvation for all time after this, for all time. Like, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. In verse 18, Zechariah, and this is where we're going to start to see the contrast of these two different people. Zechariah said to the angel, verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. So just a slightly different, I think, would we have NIV up there right now? And that's okay. I'm reading from a slightly different translation, so bear with me. But, but listen to this. Uh, I'm reading from the ESV, and, and it says here, I'm an old man now, and my wife is, is also well along in years. And I think most men probably pick up on this. Zachariah didn't call his wife old. <laughs> he's been married for a long time. He's been married for a long time. And even though he's in a very private, secluded place, you never know your wife might hear you. Because they hear things very differently. If you're married here, you know it's true. All right? Men, you've been sitting in the living room before and your wife comes from the other side of the house into the room and says, are you even listening? And you're thinking, what a weird way to start a conversation. Like, what are you talking about? They just hear things different. I think Zachariah was just being a little extra cautious here. But really, really what's important to look at this, at this part of the verse is his response. How can I be sure this will happen? Zachariah wants a sign. Zechariah wants a sign. And in verse 19, the angel says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It is he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, 
Since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. You will be silent. We're going to revisit this in just a moment. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months how kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. All right, so we're just going to stop there for a moment. We're going to move into verse 26. As I said, this is a contrasting story of, of two people receiving a very similar promise. And we're going to learn something very, very important. In verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be very great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will be will the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestors, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. Then the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come onto you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born. The baby to be born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. And I love this. For the word of God will never fail. The word of God will never fail. No matter what. We, can, we know that's a truth. We know that's a promise. The word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. Church, may everything the Lord has said about you come true. May everything the Lord has said about you come true. We're going to start looking at these responses and seeing maybe there's something in a way in our lives that we can change the way we speak over our own self and speak over the promises that have been already spoken over our lives. Mary sings up a song of praise. She says, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of this lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She goes on to continue to sing. But we're going to stop there. And we're going to start contrasting these two responses. We're going to start by contrasting the two people. Zachariah and Mary in the moment that they are right now. So again, Zachariah is a priest. He is in the pinnacle of his ministry. He may even consider the moment that he was in to be the absolute highest 
peak of his, of his ministry of, of his entire life. He's in a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. He is face-to-face with an angel. He is burning incense with the entire Israel around, waiting for him to burn this incense. This is the place that he's in. This is the person that he is. This is his position. Mary's position, she's a young girl. She, she barely has her identity because in that day and age, she, she's, not even, she's not even married yet. She's barely even gained an identity. She's in Nazareth, which in scripture, people make comments like, what good thing could come from Nazareth? And she's standing in a place not even worth mentioning in the Bible. This is her position. This is her position. And it brings me to one of my first points. And my, one of my first points and what I learned from these two uh, people in this moment is that your position, your current position, does not dictate your promise. Your position, where you are right now, doesn't dictate the promise that's already been spoken over you. So whether you have been in the church your whole life, whether you have backslidden and you're coming back, whether you haven't even made a decision or you're a new Christian, it doesn't change the promise that was already spoken over your life. And you do not need to wait. You do not need to wait to get into a higher place or into a higher calling or to attend more church services or to be something better or greater because it doesn't matter what your position is right now. It does not change your promise. It does not change your promise. Give him glory. That's, thank you, Jesus. Zachariah's response to his promise was, how can I be sure this will happen? Mary's response was, how can this happen? The word how in the Greek that she spoke is the word pos, and it means in what way. Mary was saying, in what way are you going to do this, God? In what way are you going to do this? And she continues to say, I am the Lord's servant, and may everything you have said about me come true. And what I, what I learned from this is the power of life and death is in the tongue. And Mary spoke life to her promise. Mary spoke life to her promise. But in the contrast, if the power of life and death is in the tongue, then listen to this. God was not going to allow Zechariah a moment to speak death over his promise because that promise had to come true. That promise is what was going to lead Jesus. And, and that promise, that that person, that baby, that child, John the Baptist, was the person that was going to lead the way for the Lord. The, when the Lord set something in motion, we have the choice to either accept it or not accept it. And if we cannot and we will not, he will have to find somebody else. You wonder why the story of salvation took so long. Because he had to find somebody like Mary. Somebody willing to say, Somebody willing to say, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true, even if it doesn't make sense right now. Even if it doesn't make sense right now. You know what? I think there's, <laughs> I think there's a reason. There's an absolute reason that it was done in this timing. It brings me to my third point, that you are blessed because you believed. You are blessed because you believe. And 
the scripture continues, continues to say that when the baby was eight years old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zachariah after his father, but Elizabeth said no. His name is John. What they exclaimed, no one in your family is by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a writing tablet and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Instantly, Zachariah could speak again and he began praising God. He began praising God because Zachariah decided, even if I can't say it, I'm going to write it. I am coming into agreement with the promise of God. You know what? I learned my lesson, God. I'm going to speak life over my promise. I'm going to speak life over my promise, even if I got to write it down. The next scripture says, awe fell upon the whole neighborhood and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Remember, there was a crowd of people around Zechariah when this happened. And it leads me to my fourth topic. Your miracle is for his namesake. Your miracle is for his namesake. You wonder why Jesus performed so many miracles and made sure it was around a crowd because the Lord will always be building his namesake. He will always be building his namesake. And just like I've said so many times in praise and worship, the things that God has designed to bless him, to honor him, and to build his namesake, he always finds a way to turn those things back for our own good. For our own good. So our miracle is not just about us. Number one, it's about his namesake. His namesake. And I want to encourage you, if you need a miracle, and if you're looking for a miracle, don't keep the need of your miracle a secret. Don't keep the need of your miracle to one or two, because that will only build the namesake to one or two. Make your, make your need known so that everyone will see your miracle to build the namesake of God. Come on. Just real quick, I want to back up for his namesake, and I'm just going to rattle off some of these scriptures. Just, I want to back up what I'm saying with your, his namesake. In Psalms, you know what? Absolutely, David understood the namesake of God. David understood this. He says, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Not for me, for his namesake. I get to benefit from it. Yet he saved them for his namesake that he might make known his mighty power. It's for him. It's for him. But you, O oh God, my Lord, deal on my behalf for your namesake because your steadfast love is good. I, I am he who, this is God. This is Isaiah, these two scriptures. This is God speaking. I am he who blots out your transgressions for my namesake. Even your salvation is for him. Even your salvation is to build his namesake. And I will not remember your sins. And this is my favorite, you guys. Look at this. For my own namesake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. My glory, I will not give to another. I won't, let, I won't give my glory to another, but I'll let my children share in the blessings and the promises of it. Isn't he good, church? Isn't he good? So, uh, so guys, when you believe, 
not only are you blessed, but you actively engage in the continuous building and spreading of the glory and namesake of God himself when you believe, when you believe. And there's some really powerful, I have, I, have, I have one more scripture, I have one more account similar to this that really makes it even more personal and brings it, brings it to today and right now. And I just first just want to take a moment, church. I want to encourage you, get into the word. Guys, get, it is life. It is the bread of life. You cannot live on bread alone, but by every word of God. Get into the word. Church, meditate on the word. Meditate on the word. Be a connoisseur of the word. Be a, be a, be a person that loves the details that loves the nuances. Because you know what? When you start breaking apart the details, and when you start digging and breaking apart those delicate nuances, you realize there is life-changing power. Every time you open up that word, there is life-changing power. You know what? It's something that me and Pastor Rob definitely have in common, is we love food. And we can't help but talk about food. We love talking, we love food so much that while we're eating a great meal, we're, we talk about another meal. And I just want, if you do that, you're probably a foodie, all right? So if you sit down with some friends eating a wonderful meal, and you're talking about another meal that you had that was wonderful, you're probably like me, you're probably a foodie. You're probably a foodie. Guys, I, I have probably watched a hundred YouTube videos on how to cook the best steak. I can't, like, like men, I don't know what it is. We fire up that grill. And <laughs> we fire up that charcoal or that gas and just, you know, something happens. But church, I want to say, be a connoisseur of the word. Be a connoisseur of the word. Mark 9, 14. We're going to change, we're going to change our, our, trajectory just a little bit. Jesus has been away with Peter, James, and John on the mountain. They're coming back, and they see the disciples, and there's some commotion. And in Mark 14, it says, when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and scribes arguing with them. And immediately, all the crowd, when they saw him, Jesus, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, why are you, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? And we'll get to that comment in a moment. Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, immediately it convulsed the boy. He fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? He said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. Imagine that, father. But, it, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us, Jesus, help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to one who believes. We're going to dissect that in a moment because I've always read it a little differently. But the moment that I started 
enjoying the nuances. And the moment I started just meditating on the word, God revealed it in a very different way. And maybe you've seen it this way and maybe you haven't. But the word you can, if we can just keep maybe 22 and 23 up there. Well, the word you can, it's a verb, second person singular. Second person singular means it refers to the speaker's audience. And the word means I am powerful, I have the power, I am able. So God is saying that you can because I am. So when Jesus, when Jesus spoke to the Father, and many, many scriptures put a question mark here. A few scriptures put a question mark here. So you could read it, and Jesus said to him, if you can, as if to say, are you even asking if I can? Of course I can. I'm Jesus. I can do anything. Many people would read it this way. But what actually happens in this scripture is Jesus said to him, No, Father, if you can. If you can. If you can. And it means that Jesus, in front of the Father's Son, in front of the disciples who couldn't cast out the Spirit, in front of the scribes who even possibly were blaming the Father's sins for the Spirit on this child, in front of the entire crowd, in front of Mark, who specifically wrote this down so that you could benefit from it, in front of everybody, he turned the question back on the Father to say, if you can. And he did this in front of the disciples for a reason. If, if we go back to look at what he had said, he said, oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Jesus isn't saying, I'm so annoyed with you. I just can't wait to get out of here. Jesus is saying, disciples, haven't I taught you this already? How, don't you understand the reason that I'm here? The reason that I'm here is to raise you up, my disciples, so that you can raise up other people as disciples. The reason that I have raised you as, up as a disciple is so that you will raise other people up as a disciple. Disciples, I don't want people coming to you for, for a miracle. I want you letting them know that the same spirit, he's getting them ready. He's getting them ready, church. He wants them to know, and he wanted the crowd to know, and he wanted Mark to know because he wanted you to know right now that the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead lives in you. And he's saying, you can because I am. You can because I am. Yeah, go ahead. Give him some glory. So number one, the father was blessed because he believed. Right? The father was blessed because he believed. Not only was he blessed because he believed, but we're going to read the rest of the scripture. Immediately, so after, after this happened, after Jesus turned to him and said, if you believe, all things are possible. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse. So most of them said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand. Jesus lifted him up 
and the boy arose, completely healed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you're a miracle worker, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've instilled in us, Lord God, the same spirit that raised you up from the dead and that you have spoken promises over us, Lord, that you have spoken promises over us and you have said that we can because you are. You can because I am. And you know what? Just like, just like the Father was blessed, just like the son was blessed, just like the crowd is blessed, just, just is the opposite if we can't believe and we don't believe. Our unbelief, church, this is important, our unbelief not only affects us, but it will affect the people around us. It will affect our family. It would, it would have affected this man's son. Our belief affects us and the people around us, so likewise does our unbelief affect us and the people around us. Our ability to speak life over our promise affects us and the people around us. But church, we speak so much of speaking life and speaking life and speaking life. It is just as important to not speak death. It's just as important to not speak death because when you speak death, you not only speak death over the promise in your life, but your children, your family members, your friends, the people around you are affected by you speaking death. Today, Lord, we make a choice. Today, we make a choice. We will not speak death over the promises that you've given us, God. We are gonna speak life. We're gonna speak it daily. We're gonna write it down if we have to because we're better better off being silent than speaking death over the promises in our life. We're better off being silent than speaking death over the promises in our life. Number two topic, guys. You notice Jesus waited for the crowd to come running before he performed the miracle. And I'm, and, and I'm saying that and I'm drawing notice to that because I want to confirm something that's already been said, that the miracle is meant for his namesake. The miracle is meant for his namesake. And church, it is absolutely important. It is absolutely important that we give God glory in all circumstances. Church, when you go around giving God glory, you don't know how you affect the people around you. You don't know the life that you bring. When you speak life, it is contagious. It is contagious. Have you ever been around someone that just speaks negativity all the time? It's contagious. It's contagious. Have you ever been around someone that speaks life all the time, that comes in and lights up a room? It's contagious. Be that person. Do it. Be that person. Number three, the message to the Father is the same message to you today. The message to the Father is the same message to you today. Mark was very careful to document it in a way that it would not lose any of its power, that whether it be thousands of years later, you can crack open, open this word and you can see yourself in the position of the Father and you can see Jesus turning your questions right back on you and saying, no, my son, no, my daughter, if you can if you can, because I've already done it. He's already won the battle. He's already, he already went to hell and he got the keys. His part is finished. Church, do you agree? His part is finished. 
He's waiting you to realize that you can because I am. You can because I am. The same power. Guys, I'm not going to be long today. I'm not going to be long today. I want to be concise. I know I've already read a lot of scripture. I want to be concise for this purpose. That I'm not just preaching a message so that you get excited and say an an amen. I'm preaching this message because the power, the power of Jesus' words to that father apply to you not later today, but right now. It applies to you right now, church. And we're going to exercise this right now. We're going to exercise this right now. So church, if you would just stand up just for a moment. Just stand up for a moment. I'm just going to read a few scriptures over you. And I know that pastor has done this before. But guys, this is the exercise that we're going to take this word. And while we're in this moment, and while, the, while belief and while the ability to speak truth is on our lips, we're going to start speaking truth over ourselves right now. We're going to put up the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. And I want you to say it with me right now. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. Church, speak it over yourself in the morning. Speak it over yourself. And you know what? If you can't speak it, write it. You do what you need to do, but speak this over yourself. Church, choose to speak life. Choose to believe Choose to believe. It's not enough just to say it, church. But choose to believe these words. Because when you believe, you are blessed. When you believe, you are blessed. And you know what? I guarantee you, if you believe these words over you, you change the atmosphere in your household. You change the atmosphere in this house of the Lord. You change the atmosphere at work. I'm telling you, change the atmosphere at school. You change the atmosphere when you choose to believe. One more time. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. Let's put up the next one. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Believe it, church. Say it again. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Church, you can because I am. You can because I am. Let's do the next one. This is what Jesus said to the Father. He said, you can because I am and all things are possible when I believe. Again, church, all things are possible when I believe. Let's do one more. This is a long one. You ready? I am in Christ Jesus, and therefore I am a new creation. All things have passed away, and all things, church, all things have become new. There is nothing left of your old life. It's gone. It's been replaced. It's been restored. It's been renewed by the power of Jesus Christ. And I want to say maybe you're in the room, maybe you're on the stream right now. And you haven't even had the opportunity of experiencing your first miracle. And your first miracle truly is the miracle of salvation. Church, you know that salvation is a miracle. It, no, no, really, it truly is a miracle because the Bible says that you must believe. You must believe. And, and to believe and to receive it is a miracle. It is a miracle. If you believe that you're saved, how many Christians are in this room? How many Christians are in this room? All right, do you believe that you're saved? 
then you have experienced a miracle already in your life. If you can believe that you're saved, then you can believe every single one of these promises over your life with the same assurity that you have salvation. It's the same thing. If you can believe that you're saved, then you can believe that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. If you can believe that you're saved, you can believe that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can believe that all things are possible. You can believe that all your old self, all of your old life, everything has been left behind and you have been made new in the name of Jesus. Church, I want to give an opportunity in this room right now while everybody is standing. I want to give an opportunity because if there is somebody in this room that has not experienced that first miracle of salvation, don't wait. Now is the time. Now is the day of salvation. So while we're bowing our heads, is there anybody in this room that wants to accept this miracle for, this, for the first time? Is there anybody in this room that has never accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Now is the time. Just put your hand up, and we're going to pray with you. We're not going to make you a spectacle, but we're going to pray with you. Is there anybody in this room? We thank you, Jesus. If there's anybody on the stream, we're going to pray it anyways. If there's anybody on the stream and you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, now is the time for your first miracle, and we want to be here with you. And you know what? If you're close by, if you're in the area, come. Come to church. We want to be with you, and we want to support you in your decision. So church, let's pray with anybody that may be making a decision right now. We say, Jesus, I believe that you died on that cross for my sin. And I believe that my sins have been blotted away for your namesake. And I thank you, Jesus. And I welcome you into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And let me be changed forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, church. Church, I just want to give a shameless plug for the night of worship right now. How many, how many were here at the end of our practice and you might have gotten a sneak peek at something that started to happen? There was a few of you in this room and we were singing Yahweh. We were singing Yahweh, and there is a song that is, that is welling up, a song that is being written, and we're just going to let it go. We're just going to let it fly in the night of worship. And church, I want you to be here. I want you to be here. And there is going to be freedom in this night of worship. You can stay where you want. You can come up front. You can lay down. You can scream. You can shout. Guys, the, we are getting together to express the mighty, mighty name of Jesus, to express our thanksgiving, to express our appreciation, to, to give honor and reverence, to bow down at the name of Jesus, but also 
in humility, but also in power to go into the throne room to say, I am who you say I am. And I believe that I am who you say I am. Lord, I'm gonna, church, I'm going to say a blessing over you right now as you go. Lord Jesus, I pray over this congregation, Lord, first and number one, your protection over their minds and your protection over their bodies this week, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that this word, Lord, not my word, Lord Jesus, but that your word, Lord God, would be fruitful and would multiply in their lives this week, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Lord God, that decisions would be made to speak life and not to speak death. That decisions would be made to believe the promise that we are truly who you say we are and to know that we are blessed when we believe. To know, Lord Jesus, that we don't do it just for ourselves, but we do it for the furthering of your kingdom. Lord, we do it, number one, for your name's sake, that you will be glorified and that you will be honored and you will bless us because you love us. Lord, I pray that we will come together for this night of worship and there would be a new level of freedom in your presence, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that chains will be broken, Lord God. I pray that lives will be restored. I pray, Lord, that people, Lord, would even come for the first time that have never worshipped and they would experience what it's all about, Lord. You, your kingdom, your presence forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. Church, have a blessed day.